Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie. I have a return guest on. I have Tony Streeb. He's an author, and he was last on October 24th, 2022, Season 3, Episode 139. And he has written the book, Striking Down the Home, The Propaganda of Family Court and Child Support Mechanisms. Toby has become an advocate of defending freedom and exercising individual responsibility as a result of an unjust divorce and child support process. I have him back on. We are going to discuss jury nullification. Welcome back, Toby. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Mary Ann. How have you been? Okay. <laughs> we have a lot to learn because we talked earlier before we jumped on. And it's like, I think I know what jury nullification means, uh, uh, the basics, but then you explained it further. So I'll let you take it from there. <laughs> okay. Well, jury nullification is the concept that the jury can nullify the law within a particular court case. So it doesn't mean that nobody else can be prosecuted under the law. It just means that within one particular case that the jury sits in, they nullify the law within that one case. Now, to nullify just means to make void and unenforceable, okay? And so what happens is, let's say the government at any level, the federal government or maybe the state government, they pass an unjust, maybe an oppressive law, and then they go use the law, you know, to enforce it on innocent people who have done no wrong. They're not hurting anybody. They're not, they're not a criminal, but now the law is viciously attacking innocent people and throwing them in jail. Well, when they prosecute somebody for breaking the law, the jury can sit there and look if that law is a just law or if it's maybe an oppressive or a tyrannical law, okay? Um, And if they come to the conclusion that the law passed by the state legislatures or maybe some executive order that the state governor, the president signed, if they come to the conclusion that that is a oppressive or um, an unjust law and it's being used to attack innocent people, then the jury, basically they nullify the law during the deliberations, they nullify the law, meaning making it void and unenforceable. Now, if the law is void and cannot be enforced on this person who's being prosecuted, then what is the verdict that the jury is going to come back with? The verdict will be not guilty because they have broken no such law. The jury has nullified the law. So then they end up finding the defendant not guilty, even if the prosecution proved beyond a shadow of a doubt Here's a law passed by the legislature, and here's overwhelming proof that this person broke the law passed by the legislature. They can still be found not guilty just because the jury nullified it and made that law void. Oh, that is interesting. Huh. So it seems um, these states have this nullification, and each state could nullify whatever law they want. 
Yeah, states also have the power. And that's the interesting, that's the interesting thing about how the founders created our republic when they formed it. Each state also has the power of nullification over the federal government. Okay, if the federal government was to pass a very oppressive or tyrannical law, each state, you know, could nullify that law, make it void and unenforceable, and that the enforcement of that law by local police officers or state sheriffs would then be breaking state law, and then the, the police or the sheriffs could then be arrested and prosecuted for breaking the state law, you know, just because they were trying to enforce a federal law when the state nullified that law, meaning that law within our state boundaries doesn't exist. Um, too often, what we find is that a lot of our culture, a lot in society don't, don't know this. They've never heard of it. And one of the reasons why is states generally don't use that power. And there's a very good reason why. Okay, I, well, I shouldn't say it's, it's a good reason, but there's a very valid reason. Mm -hmm why they don't do that. It is called that the federal government funds the states through its welfare system. Basically, the, the federal government funds the states. You know, there's so much money that comes from the federal government to the states. I know, um, I know there was a point where Texas went to nullify some uh, federal statutes when when the federal government was starting to go overboard with the TSA personnel in airports, and they were, I mean, they were going on this rampage like, man, old ladies need to be stripped, little children need to be stripped because they're going to try blowing up airplanes. You know? And it got so bad with, it was literally, you know, the people were going to the airport to fly on airplanes. And were, I mean, it was everything just short of vape. <laughs> you know? And so Texas went to nullify the law saying, okay, you go, you've gone too far. You've gone overboard. You're not protecting the people on these airplanes. You're violating the civil liberties. You're doing everything to take away these people's rights. So they went to go nullify the law. Well, when they did that, the, the federal government come back and said, if you nullify our law, we're going to cut your funding. Hmm. Now, that's going to create a domino effect. Okay, a lot of people, um, you know, if anybody, if you know anybody who's on government support, government welfare, uh, various different benefits through the state, that money is not all collected through the state. Okay. That money is given by the federal government to then dispense to the people in the welfare program. So what happens is if the federal government cuts their funding, what else has to get cut? People on food stamps, it gets cut. People on Section 8 housing or some type of government housing, that gets cut. You know, um, various different welfare programs, it gets cut because the money is not being paid to the individual by the state. It comes through the federal government to the state, to the individual. And so because of that, states tend to not go up against the federal government, 
because they need that funding. And the people, they would not understand what was going on. You know what I'm saying? All they would know is my state of New York or my state of Tennessee or whatever state did that. You know, well, they cut my welfare. Now I can't live and they won't feed my children and they just get all hostile. And, you know, would view it as this state did it, you know? And so, and to them, if this state's doing that to them, what, what are the people going to do? throw out their governors, throw out the legislatures, then put new people in there that can reinstate their welfare programs, you know, and which means to have welfare reinstated or to keep welfare going, you have to do what the federal government says. Mm-hmm. You know? And so it's, it's very much a concept that most people don't know of. In fact, even juries, it used to be when a jury sat on a criminal case, there used to be a point on every single case, even if the case was a murder case. Now, nobody in the right mind would say, oh, murder is an unjust law. People should be allowed to murder. Let's find a person not guilty. You know, most people would never do that. Oh, yeah. But it didn't change the fact that every time a jury sat on a case, the judge was required by law to inform the jury of their responsibility and their power of nullification. Okay, that has since stopped. They don't do that anymore because if the government wants to oppress people, if the government wants to throw innocent people in prison, they can't have the jury finding them not guilty. Now can they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is really interesting. <laughs> you know, something I find very fascinating. Now, I think a lot of a lot of people, even a lot of those, you know, who were some behind the scenes, some in the family court judge. I think a lot of them today are just very ignorant and they just, they really don't know. Okay, because that truth has been kept from the depths of their minds. That way they can't know. And if you can't, if you don't know the truth and you're ignorant, then you can be enslaved. Okay, Mm -hmm. well, when the family court structure, and I, I do talk about this in my book, that I give the origins of the rise of family court, how it came about, um, and, and the system behind that, okay? But those who were currently working to create this family court structure did so inconsistent with constitutional principles. Now, if the jury was there to, and I've heard this before, that juries are there to convict people or they condemn people to prison. Well, of course, that's not true because if that was true, then, well, wait a minute, family court could easily have their own jury. That Everybody who goes into family court could just easily be convicted. Voila, we got you again. Well, obviously, the, the framers of the family court system, they knew about jury nullification. They knew that if, um, you know, if there's a law that says you are required to pay child support and now you're being brought in because you broke the law, you didn't pay child support, 
they knew that juries could say, but wait a minute, child support is an unjust law. You can't force somebody to turn over 50, 60, 70, 80% of their income to you for the rest of your life so you can pocket, you know? And juries would find that as unjust. What would they do? Nullify the law and find people not guilty. They'd have to be let off the hook. Mm -hmm. You don't want innocent people to get let off the hook. You want to destroy innocent people. You want to imprison innocent people. You want to enslave innocent people. So what must you do? You have to get rid of a jury so they cannot, because the jury is the last line of defense against the innocent. So if you're going after innocent people, you cannot have a jury. You know, a jury is only there, only if you have every intention of going after guilty people. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. Anything short of that, if if you're a prosecutor, if you're a judge, if you're a lawyer and you have one goal, I want to go after guilty people. I want to go after the people that are hurting others. I want to go after people who are doing wrong. If that is true, then you would have a jury. Without a jury, you don't want to go after any guilty person. You only want to go after the innocent. And a jury would ultimately stand in your way. Now, even with a a jury of six and 12, doesn't matter. You know, it really doesn't. Um, I, I mean, you know, a jury of six is primarily used in civil cases, uh, whereas, um, you know, and, and then I, I know that there's some civil cases that don't, we don't have a jury. I mean, there's some courts, it's interesting how the court structure works. There's some courts, like um, you have the appellate courts, you have the Supreme Court, even state Supreme Courts. There's no jury. There's just a panel of judges and the judges vote. <laughs> okay. Then you have in civil court cases, you're, Primarily, that's where you would find uh, six jurors. Um, some states in civil cases will have 12. Others may have a law where six is okay. But in all, but in criminal cases, okay, you have 12 jurors. But here's the thing. When it comes to the jurors, unlike uh, a panel of judges, like we'll, we'll see with the Supreme Court, it does not have to be a unanimous vote. It can be a five four and it passes you see well with the jury not so with the jury it's a unanimous vote if you can get all 12 jurors to vote the same way nothing happens and that's honestly and that's the way it should be mm-hmm. I mean, look how much bad um, bad orders have come out of the out of the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, here's the thing, they're, they're judges. They do not have the power to legislate. Yet how much legislation comes out of the Supreme Court? Yet many of that legislation is like, you know, uh, a 5-4 or, you know, um, 6-3. You, you see what I'm saying? If the, if the, panel of judges of nine justices if they if they had to be unanimous look how much bad legislation and bad court orders would never hit the would never hit you know the streets 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so, it, parents want, you know, juries in the family court, uh, but it's never going to happen unless we get rid of family court, abolish it, and take everything down to the civil court. That, that's true, because family court, here's the thing, family court was created, um, it was it was created when it was created, it was it was not framed consistent with constitutional principles, okay? It was structured completely different and actually set apart, okay? Um, and now I know each state operates differently. So in my realm, I'm speaking as a general rule. However, some states can enact various different things um, to, to, so, you know, so it's operates differently than what I'm going to say, but as a general rule, though, family court is not even part of the judiciary, mm-hmm. okay? The Constitution, the, we got the federal Constitution and state constitutions. Now, they authorize the state legislatures to create inferior courts. Now, inferior means it must be a lower court that is, you know, another court that is placed beneath a higher court. Now, for there to be an inferior court, that means that there's a court above them, a court that if if you end up going to the lower court and you perceive that the, the ruling was unjust or it was made an error, then you can appeal it to a higher court. Now, and there's a reason why um, the legislatures were given that power when the constitutions were first formed was because what we're going to find is that there's a population growth. You know, the bigger the population is, as the population continues to grow and grow, you're going to have more disputes and controversies, more disagreements, more people are going to get into conflicts. Well, you can't have people waiting for years to get into court. So you establish inferior courts so you can have, as the population grows, you have more courts that you can establish, okay? And then if they, you know, to, to handle the load, yet then a smaller percentage of those cases might need to take it and appeal their case. And the higher up you appeal it, you're going to have smaller percentages of cases that are going off the channels to get it appealed. Mm-hmm. You know, and so yet what we find is something different with family courts. It was never placed beneath an inferior court. Okay, uh, it was never placed beneath the superior court. I mean, it's it's not an inferior court because, like in the state of New Mexico, if the ruling is unjust, you you can't appeal the case. Now, and here's the thing: New Mexico. So New Mexico does enact laws, as every state does. Yet the question is: these laws are in vain just means it's empty. It's like they pass a law, but the law doesn't do anything. Because what they'll do is, let's say, for instance, they pass a law in the state of New Mexico, okay, that says child support cannot exceed 40% of your gross income. Mm -hmm. Now, that's all fine and dandy, only if the judge wants to obey the law. (laughs) If the judge doesn't want to obey the law, you see, 
even though family court's not part of the judiciary because he dresses like a judge, he, he sits behind a bench like a judge, he looks like a judge, so everybody thinks he is a judge. If everybody thinks he's a judge, that's why they call him your honor, that's why they call him your presiding judge, the whole nine yards. Because of that, you can't sue him. Judges are immune from lawsuits. So then if he breaks the law, and that's what they've done with me. I mean, they, they established child support at nearly earlier when I was in Georgia. They established child support and some other oppressive measures at nearly 70% of my income. Mm -hmm. You know, well, of course, you know, right away, I didn't stay, stay there. I couldn't because I could not support myself when they were garnishing 70% of my wages you know, and leaving me with 30% to live on. So what happens is then they would throw me out of work that way because of that oppression and then turn right around and say, now we're going to attack it on the back child sport. Now you're even farther in debt. Yes, that's what they did to me too. Yeah, you know, and yeah, if, if they don't, and although, here's the thing, although legally, you can go after the child support division. You're hard pressed to find an attorney that will go after the child support division, you know, because of all the lies and deception. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I mean, they'll slander the attorney. Man, they're attacking the child support. That means that they don't want to support their children. They're trying to stiff people with their response to all the lies spew out and people get slandered. And when you can turn, you know, when, when you can do a simple lie saying, hey, he created these children. He's responsible to support them. Who's going to say, no, he's not. He can knock up as many women as he wants and bail out on them if he chooses to. Who's going to say that? Nobody. Okay, and if nobody's willing to say stuff like that, or if nobody's willing to debunk the lies behind it, now all of a sudden, that one lie can turn 330 million Americans against one person. Mm -hmm. Is that not mob rule? You know, to, to have an entire nation attack just one person. And I mean, they, they do it. Yes. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I mean, compare that. Do you really think it would be fair if like 20 men ganged up on some five-year-old girl and think, oh, that's perfectly fair for her. They all should just take their turns and beat her until she's dead. Mm -hmm. You would think, really, those men are so weak, they can't even pick on somebody their own age, uh, their <laughs> size, you know, their own strength. Come on, you have to get 20 men against one five-year-old girl? Mm -hmm. really? You see what I'm saying? What does that show? It shows their weakness. Mm -hmm. That's why they're scared to go after somebody their own size, somebody that can defend themselves. So they go after those who cannot defend themselves. You know, and that's what this is like. Really? You're going to have an entire nation of people, 330 million people go after one person? Mm -hmm. You know, yet they do. And, and they do so through their propaganda. Every time they uh, send a court order to your employer for wage garnishments, mm -hmm. driver's license, what are they doing? They are lying to every single person and having that, those people retaliate against you.
Oh, yes. Yes. They were you taking know, 65% and, out of my check. Yeah. And, and really, you were very hard pressed to actually find somebody stand up and say, no, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to really be hard pressed. You know, I mean, here's the thing even in the state of New Mexico, well, I had been in, in one of the letters that they had sent me. Okay. It was about they ordered wage garnishments, things like that. Now, in the letter, that they never stated that the employer would be punished or the federal government would come and shut them down if they refused to garnish your wages. They didn't say anything like that. But rather, they said, if your employer refuses to garnish your wages, you're still responsible to pay. You see what I'm saying? Which tells me right now, which first and foremost, it does tell me employers still have the power to say no. And I guarantee you this, Marianne, if employers said no, more often they would not get shut down, mm-hmm. punished. You see what I'm saying? Because let's face it, if in my, my current company, Multicolor, they are garnishing wages. But let's say, for instance, they decided to buck up against these judges and say, no, you're asking us to steal on your behalf. Mm-hmm. No. You want his money, you can go get it. We're not your tax collectors. We're not going to steal on your behalf. Hypothetically, let's say they did say that, right? Now, for anything to happen to multicolor, okay, that means the state of New Mexico, the New Mexico Child Support Division, would have to launch an attack against multicolor. Now, they might be prone to do that if multicolor responded to them, letting them know, hey, go pound sand. You know what I'm saying? However, if the employee just ignored them, you know, didn't respond, just didn't garnish any wages. Now, I venture to say the child support division would not attack multicolor because there's too many issues involved. If you talk about the CSD going to attack a company for not garnishing wages and using federal law to do so, I mean, think about what's going to have to be involved. One, they'd have to prove that the U.S. Post Office didn't lose the letter. You know what I'm saying? It's supposed to go to the employer. Then, you know, two, they would have to, you know, prove that. There would be so many different things that they would have to do. And then being in another state, they couldn't take it in a state court. They would have to take it in a federal court. Well, I also heard that these companies... When they garnish your wages, they also get something out of it as well. They're getting some type of kickback incentive thing. You know, and that would not surprise me one bit because I know, here's the thing. I know companies get kickbacks when they get people to enroll in their 401k program. Okay. Oh, yes. They get federal kickbacks, okay, tax breaks, the whole nine, the more people that they can get enrolled in 401k, okay, and so that's why they spread the lie about 401k, this is a benefit we offer, we'll even match it, and to me, that makes no sense, well, wait a minute, why would you match it? I mean, come on, if you can afford the money to match, let's say, 
50% of whatever I put in or whatever your matching is, why not just allow me to go get my own retirement plan? Mm-hmm. I put you the paperwork and then you can deposit directly into my own personal retirement plan. Or why can't you just add the money to my paycheck? Why do I need to put the money into the employer's you know, 401k plan? Because it's all about kickbacks. And, you know, and I can't get anybody at my job to see that. They're all blinded. So they all have joined into the 401k. Yet I refused. And when when our company did a merger, they did something very slick. I wasn't too hot about it. When they did a merger, they, at the end of the, it was not, not this year, it was like the end of last year, they merged with another company. Okay. Well, they, they, in the merger, they changed the policy that all new employees automatically get enrolled in 401k. And then you have to go stop it if you don't want it. So that way, it was to, to push more people into 401k. You see what I'm saying? Um, and then, of course, because it's not mandatory, you're not required to, you could go stop it. But let's face it, if you wait for somebody to voluntarily sign up themselves, they might not do it. But if you automatically sign them up, they might not stop it. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When they see from the paycheck, whoa, they just smashed me. Nah, maybe I should just keep it. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, because of the merger, although I had already worked there, the, when, the ye- when the year rolled over to the new year, I automatically got signed up, okay? And here is the thing. It, it, it's a very successful tactic if you know how this stuff works. What makes a bank robbery successful? The element of supplies. Would you, if you, if you, if anybody was going to rob a bank, would you first call the bank and tell them that you're coming with guns yeah. and gun them down? Of course not. No. You, it was the, it would be the element of surprise. They can't know you're doing it until you do it. You see, okay, well, that's how the 401k, when they did that to me, okay, I didn't even know that the policy had changed, that I was going to be automatically enrolled. I didn't until, boom, my wages were immediately garnished. Garnished for 401k. Boy, I was livid. Of course, I found out the policy and what I had to do to stop it. But that took a little bit of research trying to figure out how to stop it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I got it stopped after they garnished my wages twice. You know, two times, okay, then I finally got to stop, but what made it effective was the element of supplies. That's how, I mean, and that's how child support works, okay? When when employees, I've noticed this, when employees garnish wages for child support, they never, well, I should say with me, they never, none of my employees did this with me. They never went to me and told me, Toby, we received the child support order. I we just want to let you know we're going to start garnishing your wages, and this is the date that it's going to take effective. Okay, they've never done that. Mm-mm. They do that because what if I get mad at them and quit? How can they garnish wages if I quit? Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? So it's automatically we won't tell him what we're fixing to do to him. 
You see, they you don't know until the paycheck comes and boom, the wages are gone. Mm-hmm. The element of surprise. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it's a shocker. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. Horrible, you know, corruption that has got to stop. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's people living in cars and because of this. Right. To Pete. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm reminded of the scripture that tells us Paul tells us in, in um in oh I can't remember where it's at now, but Paul tells us in the scriptures it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. You know, and unless you understand how the political environment is taking place in the U.S. and even on a global scale, unless you understand how that all works, you generally don't understand how is money, the, uh, how is the love of money the root of all evil? You know what I'm saying? I mean, when one studies history, they, they learn that uh, the Bolshevik revolution mm-hmm. caused Lenin and then his successor Stalin to rise to power and murder millions of people through starvation, guess what? That Bolshevik revolution was funded by our Wall Street financiers, bankers, okay? Uh, FDR and his new deal, FDR's rise to power and all the socialism he implemented in the U.S., he was funded by Wall Street. Hitler's rise to power, Hitler was funded by Wall Street, you know, we have, and you know, the child support division is nothing but a system that plunders people, steals. It's nothing but a, like a bank robbery. You know, I, I venture to say, you know, the people that work for the child support division, they're probably going to have to give a higher account to God. Oh, yeah. All the robbery that they've committed because, you know, at least the bank robber doesn't try to make themselves think that they're your best friends. They're looking out for you. A bank robber will come straight up, or any any robber for that matter, he'll come straight up and let you know, I'm a robber and I'm going to steal from you. The child support division, they do that. They rob you and steal from you, but claim, oh, it's for the good of your children. It's for the good of this. It's for the good of that. And they, and they don't get, they aren't held accountable for that. Well, get this, Toby. I was in a child support conference. It was about two years ago. And we were waiting because uh, my ex would not give up his 1044, 1099 on an international patent. So, you know, couldn't get anything out of that. Um, but as we were waiting, and he he just refused to give all this information up, the girl had to go get talk to her boss and say, you know, she's a pro se litigant. she she's allowed to have your information. He still wouldn't give it. But as we were waiting, the one time that she she went down the hall, the conference officer said to me, I know why you got your kids taken away from you. And I said, right, through legal kidnapping via false accusations. And she just looked at me. And I said, you do know he's versing me. And she goes, what does that mean? I said, he, I pointed to him, is versing me. Then she goes, oh, this is how stupid they are. They can't even run their figures right. 
the judge can't run the figures right. Right. Yeah, so you're going in there and you're getting insulted at the same time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it happens. And I just, you know, I feel I feel bad for these people because mm-hmm. they don't even realize that they are pawns, you know, that they're being used to create the most horrific destruction that America has ever known. Oh, you're right. Yes. You know, and, and, and it's a shame, you know, that these people and they don't even it's it's sad because they don't even know what they're doing. Now, they think they do. You know, what I'm saying? they think they know what they're doing, but they don't. They're deceived. Hmm. Yeah, it's well, they have a higher judge to answer to later on. That they do. Yeah, even these judges that run around in these Halloween costumes, these black graduation gowns, um, they have a higher God to answer to. Right. <laughs> I mean, hey, you and I can buy a black graduation gown and pretend we're judges. <laughs> you know, why not? I, I hear right. some of these judges' robes are over 300 and some dollars, but, you know, they can pay that. But what they're going to pay when they meet God is another story. Oh, man, that's... Yeah, that I I definitely would not want to be standing in their shoes. No. no. Um, and I mean, and, and here's the thing, you know, God's not going to hold them guiltless just because they were deceived. You know, I'm sorry, if I lie to you and you do something very destructive or maybe you commit murder because you thought it was self-defense because I told you somebody was after you who's not after you. So you went and just knocked them off or something. Uh-huh. You know, what I'm God's not going to hold you guiltless. Oh, well, you didn't know. So it's okay. Oh no. You committed murder. Even if you convinced yourself that it was self-defense, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you might get away with it on this earth, but not on the next plane. Oh, that's the boy. There's a lot of truth to that. Yes. Hey, how can people reach you if they have any questions about this podcast? Well, they can get a hold of me by, um, you know, they can, uh, the easiest way would just be to email me. My email address is, uh, they can email either uh, Toby at strikingdownthehome.com. Or they can email me at strikingdownthehome at protonmail.com. Okay, at Proton. Okay. All righty. Well, I'm going to have you back on again because you just know so much about this. It's so fascinating. Right, right. I'm so glad to, so glad to got your book and that your book is fabulous. So um, hey, don't jump off. Slam the Gavels, a podcast. Help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again here in the future with Toby Street, book author, and other exciting guests. And you can find his book on Amazon. Thank you.